So what are you worried about? Your finances, your health, maybe world peace? Forget about that nonsense. What we have to worry about is white supremacy, okay? That is the existential threat to America. We've been hearing that all week, all for the past several months, actually, from the Biden administration, but they're really hitting it hard right now. This is their new attorney general. And in the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat we face comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocate for the superiority of the white race. I've been talking to law enforcement sources both in and out of government, and they say this notion is ludicrous. This is ludicrous. The threat from white supremacy is essentially nil and has stayed the same level for several decades, several decades. I don't know about you, but I've noticed some gas lines lately, and I hear that they were orchestrated by Russian gangs and a cyber attack. That seems like a more immediate threat. But this one has some political mojo behind it. Today, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists are the most likely to conduct mass casualty attacks against civilians. And anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists, specifically militia violent extremists, are the most likely to target law enforcement, government personnel, and government facilities. DHS Secretary Mayorkas, uh, a close associate of former President Obama and worked with the Obama administration in the Obama administration. You remember Barack Obama, of course. He was the one who would not utter the phrase Islamic extremism. He would never even say it. But everybody's talking about white supremacy all the time. Wouldn't talk about that, which we all know was a very real threat, a very real thing. 9-11, anybody? We've been fighting wars over that. Now, white supremacy is everywhere. They're using it to achieve their political goals. The threats posed by domestic violent extremism are often fueled by false narratives, conspiracy theories, and extremist rhetoric spread throughout social media and other online platforms. Wow, false narratives, uh, conspiracy theories. <sighs> They're saying that about anything they don't agree with. If you have any questions just about the fairness of the last election, all right, if you raise issues about Joe Biden, they're going to throw you in that category. They really are doing it. Try to post something moderately controversial on Facebook these days about the election and watch out. That's their excuse. They're using January 6th, okay? January 6th is the pretext. They've dramatized that. They've exaggerated it. They've sensationalized it. Remember, just one person was killed on January 6th. Trump supporter, unarmed Trump supporter, Ashley Babbitt. This is America. This is not a white supremacy country. We all can agree on that. Our culture has been anti-white supremacy for at least 100 years, totally. All right. Yes, I know there are pockets here and there, but not anymore and not for a long time. You ever see the movie The Blues Brothers? It's actually one of my favorites. John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd they had a great scene. And I think it summed up 40 years ago or so how Americans view white supremacy and neo-Nazis. Remember, they're driving around in that Cadillac. And uh, what do they come across? A neo-Nazi rally in Illinois. Everybody goes wild because everybody hates neo-Nazis. I mean, this is just culturally accepted in America. What happened next? Hey, what's going on? 
Ah, those bums won their court case, so they're marching today. What bums? Nazi party. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. I love it. Everybody hates neo-Nazis. I loved how they had the cop. He resented the neo-Nazis and they had to work that stupid rally. That's how people feel across the board. Matt Walsh, a great conservative thinker on these topics, put this out. White supremacy is the most delusional and destructive moral panic in American history. We don't have a white supremacy problem in this country. There is no major white supremacist threat. This is being invented out of whole cloth by the media and the government. Absolutely. Diamond and Silk dropped by last night. Two of my favorite people. They had something to say about this and that critical race theory nonsense. What about all these people judging white people based on the color of their skin? And when you talk about this critical theory thing that they won't talk in uh -huh. the schools, right. I also think that that's dangerous. That's right. Why do you want black people living in the pains of their ancestors? Do you want white teachers to teach that? And then you have black people get offended? Oh, because we don't like the way you said that. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. If you want to know something about your history, how about the Democrats tell us about their history? They how they didn't history. want slavery to end? Yeah. How they brought in Jim Crow? How they brought in the KKK yep. to intimidate, manipulate, and to dominate. If you want to teach our children something, teach them how to own businesses That's and right. turn them into corporations. Teach them how to join the 1% instead of staying in the 99%. That's what you can teach our young people. So much power, so much truth from Diamond and Silk. Um, and what do they portray Donald Trump as? What does the media try to pass him off as? This man is a white supremacist. This man is a white supremacist. There he is with those truth tellers, Diamond and Silk. Here he is with Lil Wayne. I know him. You know him. The American people did not elect a white supremacist or a neo-Nazi sympathizer in 2016. We know that. We also know that Donald Trump did better with black voters than any Republican in a very, very long time. And that scared a lot of people. Meanwhile, you know, it's kind of scaring me, making me pretty uneasy. And I think they can manipulate him into believing this uh, fallacy. Joe Biden, he's very, very weak, and it's been noticed now around the world. I want to show you somebody. This is uh, Alan Jones, a very prominent conservative thinker in Australia. He has a huge following in Australia, and this is what they're talking about down under. And you mean to say this black Biden isn't cognitively delinquent? Have a listen to this the President of the United States of America. We have to do more than just build back better. We build back, we have to build back better. We're not going to seek excuse me, escalation. Putting Biden in this position of leading the world's democracies is elder abuse. His incoherence is not new, but it surely can't go on. There will have to be a presidential resignation shortly. Now, you can say that stuff in Australia. You can't say that in America, not even on Fox. After that speech, after that speech that he pointed out, that we pointed out here on Newsmax, here's what Chris Wallace said about Joe Biden's speech over on Fox. 
I think this is going to be a popular speech uh, with, with the American public. Uh, he offered a lot of stuff. You four trillion dollars will buy a lot of stuff, uh, from millions of jobs to uh, child care to community health centers, all kinds of stuff, community colleges. Uh, and the other thing that's pretty popular is he said, you're not going to have to pay for it. Chris Wallace seems to think that we're a bunch of children, easily fooled, non-observant children. Back to Australia, our friend down under. Someone of significant note is going to have to tap this bloke on the shoulder and tell him he's got to go. The tragedy is the replacement is Kamala Harris, as big a disaster. Her own party didn't want her in the runoff for the Democratic nomination. She received 2% of the vote. If we don't think the free world is in a mess... We are bad students of the current international situation. And what is that situation here and abroad? Well, number one, a border that is fully open, let's face it, to our south. Uh, we've got uh, Israel on fire and crazy gas lines, huh? This is not good, not good at all. And I think it's all directly tied to Joe Biden's lack of leadership and those who are manipulating him. We'll be right back with the weirdest U.S. Army recruitment video ever made. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. It begins in California with a little girl raised by two moms. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin, I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. Uh, I always served in the military. We don't really care where you came from. That's one of the great things about the military, you know? But just, and by the way, that's uh, quite a bold stand. It looks like Joe Biden's lawn. Remember back on Valentine's Day? Love each other, respect everyone. Wow, that's uh, gutsy stuff. What's next? When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again. But she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet, eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. As someone's having fun with this. Uh... It's kind of irrelevant again. Uh, oh, by the way, the two moms uh, weren't married. They got married much later. Um, whatever, right? More, last. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life. A sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women. But what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. 
U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. Congratulations, Emma. The only one who's carrying any stereotype seems to be her, walking around with all that stuff and putting it before you. We just didn't care about that stuff in the military. We really didn't. I was there in the 90s, and uh, all kinds of people were there. Trust me. Uh, you want to see a real commercial that'll make you possibly want to join the Marines? We offer another path where the battle to belong begins. Awakened by a calling. United by purpose. Defined by the cause you fight for. It's not about you! No one can ever take away what it means to be among the few, the proud, the Marines. You want to join, don't you? That is motivational. Then again, it was done in the late stages of the Trump administration. Who knows what my Marine Corps is working on now? Fingers crossed. All right, we got to talk about this real quick. Uh, Joe Biden had some congressional leaders in the Oval Office yesterday. No big deal. This is kind of what they're supposed to do. Uh, but it really threw a CNN reporter for a total loop. Kevin McCarthy is sitting in the Oval Office as one of four bipartisan members meeting formally for the first time with the President of the United States, coming from just, what, two hours earlier, uh, overseeing a vote to oust a member of his own leadership because she deigned to speak out and say that the election wasn't stolen and that Joe Biden was fairly elected. That same Joe Biden... President Biden, Kevin McCarthy, is sitting in the Oval Office with, as we speak, to discuss whether or not they can find bipartisan compromise on a host of issues, first and foremost, uh, the infrastructure legislation. I mean, you just can't make this up. All right. So this is one easily flabbergasted person. She is in a state of shock. You just can't make this up that leader Kevin McCarthy would be sitting on a couch in the Oval Office after a vote on Capitol Hill about the controversial Liz Cheney. You just can't make this stuff up. Look, if you can make up the Planet of the Apes, one of my favorite movies, it's not too hard to get your head around Kevin McCarthy showing up for a meeting in the Oval Office, especially when President Biden said he was so good at reaching across the aisle. Remember during the campaign? All right. Now this. Black lives do matter, but not the way Black Lives Matter, the organization, says so. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. That's when they go into overdrive. But apart from that, they don't care. They really don't. We do. 12-year-old Erica Gibson was shot and killed over the weekend in Hazelcrest, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. She was a good student. She loved dancing, described as always being kind of silly at times, goofy even, but she was very good at school. Erica was having a sleepover at a friend's house. That friend shot her while playing with an assault rifle. The friend was seen on a TikTok video many times in the past several weeks 
earlier playing with the weapon. Family members are furious that the gun owner is not being held responsible. Uh, dozens gathered Tuesday evening for a vigil. Part of a deadly weekend that saw more than a dozen people shot and at least six people killed across Chicago. Again, the family is outraged. This little girl didn't just all of a sudden picked up a gun. She been doing it for months. Pulling the trigger, shooting somebody in the head is not an accident. They're not saying anything to the police. Who owns the guns? They're not saying anything. But I feel that the police can make them talk. GoFundMe page has been set up. Uh, they're seeking $10,000. Again, Erica Gibson was just 12 years old. We'll be right back. Violence has intensified big time. We have a tweet from the Israel Defense Forces that IDF air and ground troops are currently attacking in the Gaza Strip. You know that Hamas, is, uh, the terror group, has been attacking Israel. They've been doing it for a very long time. It's intensified over the past uh, several days, and uh, the counterattack, the big-time counterattack is on. Now, we don't know if this is an incursion, perhaps just designed to take out the rocket, sites or Hamas leaders or maybe, maybe a full-fledged invasion. Let's bring in United States Senator retired Joe Lieberman uh, of Connecticut and, uh, of course, former vice presidential nominee in 2000. Sir, welcome back to Newsmax. Uh, your reaction to the news that the IDF, ground and air forces are moving into Gaza? Uh, first, Greg, it's great to uh, be with you. Thank you. Um, well, the, this is a significant uh, development. Uh, as you said, we don't know whether it's the beginning of an actual ground invasion by the Israeli Defense Forces of Gaza or just limited for purposes. It, um, I, I think the government will be hesitant to have a full-scale ground invasion because, obviously, the, uh, the risk. They've done that before, a, a significant loss of lives uh, in the Israeli military. But here's the point. Um, Hamas, for its own political reasons, based on nothing really, has chosen to attack Israel and its great cities, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, uh, with missiles supplied to it by Iran. And uh, Israel simply cannot take that. And I think the government of Israel, and my guess is they're unified across political lines, feels that they've got to hit uh, Hamas hard in Gaza so they don't uh, do anything this damaging and deadly uh, uh, for simple political reasons that have no basis in fact. So uh, uh, I hope it ends quickly. I hope uh, the loss of life on both sides uh, can stop. But uh, this is what happens when radical terrorist groups get uh, the most sophisticated weapons from radical terrorist governments like the one in Tehran, Iran. So the Biden administration, they're intent on uh, resuscitating relations with uh, Iran, a uh, far cozier arrangement, obviously. Can we link this, do you think, uh, with the transition of power? Would this be happening right now if Donald Trump were still in office? I, uh, there might, uh, some speculation is required, but what do you think? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to predict. And, and I will say that in the specific reaction 
to what's happening uh, between Hamas and Israel now. The Biden administration has been supportive of Israel's right to defend itself against this terrorist group. I mean, after all, we got on one side our democratic ally, Israel, our closest ally in the region, and the other side, a terrorist group that hates America, hates Israel, wants to destroy uh, Israel. But I do think that the Biden administration attempt to get us back into that Iran nuclear agreement uh, may be a secondary cause of what's happening in the sense that uh, Iran is uh, probably encouraging Hamas to do what they've done without any justification, because they may think, Iran may think that uh, this somehow helps them in the negotiations with the United States now going on in Vienna. Uh, I, of course, I don't trust Iran. And uh, in my opinion, the, the campaign of maximum economic pressure that President Trump put on Iran has to be sustained. Because if we take off the economic sanctions on Iran, which is what they want, that's the end of the negotiation. Mm. They leave the table and we get nothing for it. And we simply can't let that happen. You mentioned Joe Biden is now uh, generally supportive, uh, at least in public statements of Israel. This happened this afternoon. He said this uh, prior to the news of the incursion. But let's play that from the president. OK. One of the things that uh, I have seen thus far is that uh, um, there has not been a significant overreaction. The question is how how we get to a point where they get to a point where there is a significant reduction in the attacks. I just can't imagine a terrorist state right next to America lobbing missiles in and not a complete and devastating response from America. And everyone's looking for Israel to not overreact. What did you make of and what do you make of Joe Biden, just his his bearing and his presence and uh, decisiveness or lack thereof? You worked with him for many years in the Senate. Um, uh, yeah, he understands foreign policy. But, you know, Greg, you you made the big point here. Just imagine if some terrorist group located right over our border and started to fire sophisticated missiles at some of our great cities. I mean, we would do everything we could to wipe them out. And incidentally, in this case, Hamas, in my opinion, has done this really uh, more directed at the Fatah, the, the Palestinian Authority faction, which is their uh, a competitor, really their enemy for, for uh, control of the Palestinian movement. They're angry at the president, Mahmoud Abbas, for delaying elections that were supposed to be held uh, this month, and uh, they seized on basically a, a, a legal case involving property rights, an old dispute about some apartments in East Jerusalem. Uh, do the um, uh, Arabs who live there now have the right to stay there, or the Israelis uh, who own that property before the 48 war have the right to get it back? That, that's being litigated in the uh, courts of uh, Israel, and yet Hamas, the terrorist group, because it wanted to strike against um, the, the Palestinian Authority leadership and Iran, because it wanted to scare us, uh, begins this war uh, on the cities and, uh, and people of Israel. And of course, Israel has to respond. So 
Uh, I, I hope that the Biden administration continues to remember, as they've been pretty clear about, we've got only one friend in this fight, one ally, and that's Israel. Hamas is our enemy, and they're the enemy of the civilized world. They're terrorists. Senator Lieberman, privileged to have you back on Newsmax. We thank you very, very much. Thank you, you Greg. You bet. You know, I'm a great admirer of the Kelly family. <laughs> and your dad, one of the best public servants ever, and a great a police commissioner for New York. So uh, you uh, you didn't fall far from a pretty impressive tree, my dad. Uh, you're the best, sir. And we were feeling the momentum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> throughout your career. Great stuff. <laughs> Senator, all the best. Yeah. To be continued. Take, Take care. care. We'll be right back. Yeah. Today, CDC is updating our guidance for fully vaccinated people. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. Oh, I can. Oh, thank you so much. The federal government giving me permission to do these things, huh? What do we think? All right, let's bring in some experts, shall we? First of all, we have Congressman Ronnie Jackson, Republican of Texas, former White House physician, and uh, great to see you in office, sir. And also Dick Morris, host of Dick Morris Democracy, former advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. You can check out his show right here on Newsmax, Saturdays at 7.30 and Sundays at 1 in the afternoon. Congressman, first to you. There was something about her tone I quite didn't like, and... Uh, we already knew that we didn't have to wear masks uh, outside. At least the science said so. What do you think of the latest guidance? Well, just like you said, wow, isn't that Joe Biden such a great guy? I mean, this is awesome. You know, I mean, the timing of this is pretty suspicious, right? I think, you know, we've known this for a long time. I've been saying it. Most of the Republicans have been saying it. The red states have been saying this and doing it for months now, saying that we could go outside without our mask on, especially if we've been vaccinated or if we've had the disease. But suddenly the Biden administration comes out with this. And I'll tell you the white reason is two reasons. Number one is because people in the blue states are watching people in the red states and they realize we're not all sheep and it's only a matter of time before they're forced to do this. So they're going to go ahead and do it now and try to take credit for it. And number two, I think it's a little bit of a cover up for what's going on uh, in the rest of, in the world right now with the Biden administration. We're literally watching the Biden administration self-destruct right now on so many fronts, uh, you know, whether it's China or Iran or, uh, you know, war breaking out in the Middle East or, you know, rising gas prices, uh, you know, the border crisis, all this other stuff. So I think it distracts a little bit and I think it serves a purpose there. And that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, actually, you're right. We were talking about that earlier. And I think we have a visual, just a little snapshot of all the weird stuff and unfortunate things that are happening right now. Israel, the border, gas lines. Uh, Dick, politically speaking, this is something they would probably want to turn the page on. Yeah, well, I think that uh, Congressman Jackson is exactly right. But um, let me just point out something that I'm going to talk about in my show on Sunday, on Saturday. There were, there were 600,000 Americans died of COVID, okay? That's horrible, terrible, but that's the stat. But when you look at the death stats, about the same number of people die each year, it went up not by 600, but by 683,000. There's 83,000 people who died during the COVID period, but not of COVID. And I believe that those folks died of the lockdown. 
Uh, heart deaths were up 35,000, cancer deaths 12,000, diabetes deaths 15,000, and Alzheimer's deaths 14, uh, suicide, uh, op opioid overdoses went up by 46%. They haven't even released the suicide numbers yet. And the price of the overreaction of this administration and of keeping the stuff in place and the complicity of the blue state governors has caused almost as much harm, not quite as much, but almost as much as the disease itself did. Yeah. It's what Donald Trump said, don't make the cure worse than the disease. He was, he was so strong on that and he, <laughs> And they looked at him like he was crazy. But, Dick, those are interesting numbers. Uh, by the way, the messaging from this administration, uh, Dr. Fauci at times seems a bit confused. Uh, let's go take a look at this. If you were going into a completely crowded situation where people are essentially falling all over each other, then you wear a mask. But any other time, if you're vaccinated and you're outside, put aside your mask. You don't have to wear it. Well, actually, that does seem pretty uh, straightforward, but again, a little bit tardy. And um, I don't know, doctor, I've been suspicious of him since he said don't wear masks because they could produce unintended consequences. Remember that? Yep. I sure do. Well, he's one of the biggest, he's, he's a big part of the problem, right? They just don't want to give up control. And actually, if you look at these CDC guidelines, I think it's kind of interesting because they say you don't need to wear a mask inside or outside, uh, you know, or stay six feet apart if you've been fully vaccinated. Uh, as long as it doesn't violate federal, state, local, tribal, county, all these different laws and rules. So basically, they're going to allow all of these, you know, politicians that have just really like you know, become addicted to the to the little bit of authority that this has given them to go ahead and continue to control your lives. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, the Democrats really are all about control. So I just think it's hilarious that the Biden administration didn't have enough guts to step up to the plate and just say, hey, you don't need to do it anymore. And all the federal mandates are done and we're going to restrict, uh, you know, other governments uh, from from overriding the, this federal rule that you don't have to wear a mask anymore. That would have been the right thing to do. Dick, you started advising Bill Clinton, I believe, in the late 70s, early 1980s. And uh, back then we had gas lines and uh, gas prices through the roof. We got it again. What do scenes like this mean for an incumbent? It wasn't good for Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter. This can't be good for Joe Biden. You mentioned my time with Bill Clinton. Greg, I feel that's like a first marriage, you know? <laughs> but uh, look, uh, the gas lines, they're going to try and blame it on the pipeline hack. But that's nonsense. Uh, since Biden took office, copper has doubled. Uh, cattle, corn for cattle has doubled. Coffee is up 33 percent. Gas prices are up by more than a dollar. Timber prices have almost tripled. Uh, the inflation that's going on now, of which gas is one example, is caused by two things. Both of them are Joe Biden. One is the expansive federal benefits have created a situation where nobody wants to work and therefore we can't produce. And at the same time, the massive stimulus is revving up demand to an incredible level. And that is causing inflation, not just the cost push of the inflation, but the demand pull of the inflation. And, uh, and this is all at his doorstep. And he deserves those gas lines and has nothing to do with cyber, cyber hacking, maybe something to do with the last few days of it. But we're talking about a long-term phenomenon of weaning the country away from independence. Well, he may deserve them, but 
We don't, and the people certainly don't, but uh, I get it, Dick, totally. Dick Morris, again, check out the show, if you would, and check out dickmorris.com. Some great stuff there. Go ahead and register. He'll keep you well-informed. And Congressman Ronnie Jackson, we thank you very much. Continued success in Washington, D.C. We're counting on you, and we'll be right back. We're bombarded with so much fake news. It is incredible. You know, you might think that what Ted Cruz did on January 6th by raising in his hand an objection and wanting further discussion about the Electoral Count Act was somehow illegal. It was not. It was totally in keeping with the Constitution. And this point was made brilliantly yesterday during a hearing. Uh, it featured the former acting attorney general and pressing him was one of our favorites, Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio. And does the Constitution allow members to object to the Electoral College results on January 6th after a presidential election? My understanding is that it does. It does, right. Is it okay for Jim McGovern, a Democrat a member of Congress, to object to Alabama on January 6, 2017? Is that all right? He's allowed to do that, I, right? I think, I think if members are adhering to their constitutional rights and roles and responsibilities, you know, that's, again, a question for all, all the folks in Congress. Congressman Jordan, you were terrific, and he joins us once again. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, he, he waffled a little bit there on the second response, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But, I mean, look, this, this double standard, you know, we, we saw it all through COVID. You know, Gavin Newsom could go to the fancy restaurant, but we're not supposed to have Thanksgiving with our family. Nancy Pelosi can go into the salon without her mask when we couldn't. And, and Democrats now want us to believe that, oh, they can object. They can object to Alabama on January 6, 2017. But I'm not allowed to object to Pennsylvania, where they changed their law in an unconstitutional fashion in the run-up to the election last year. Um, Americans are tired of it. And I just want to make sure that my Democrat colleagues were reminded of how things are supposed to work. You know, um, a lot of us now feel like we can't talk about it. Uh, that we might be deplatformed or whatever. And look, I want to make it clear. Joe Biden is the president. He was sworn in. He is the right. president of the United States. We accept that. But we can have concerns about the election, and that should not be you know, dangerous talk. That's not hate speech if you're worried about the fairness, if you're worried about the constitutionality of what happened in Pennsylvania. No, of course it's not. And look, lots of Democrats have concerns about and, and, and concerns about the confidence going forward in our election process and, and the integrity of that process. And never forget what happened. And, and th those concerns, I think, are instinctively there. I always I always point out that, you know, Joe Biden would do an event. He'd get like five people to show up, couldn't even fill up all the circles they had painted on the ground. President Trump would get 50,000 people. President Trump increased his vote with African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, got 11 million more votes, won 19 of 20 bellwether counties, won Ohio by eight, Iowa by eight, Florida by three, but somehow he lost to the guy who barely left his house. <laughs> so that all may have happened, Greg, and you and I accept that the fact that he's the president, we, we get all that. But it makes you wonder, particularly when we had unprecedented number of mail-in ballots, when we had states in an unconstitutional fashion go around their legislature and change their election law. So all we're saying is, why won't we check it out? Why is the mainstream media and all the Democrats so reluctant to just invest? Why are they trying to stop what's happening in Arizona, just an, an audit of Maricopa County's results? That's the concern. Let's just check it out and figure it out so we have confidence going forward in our election process. Yeah, they don't even want us talking about it. And if they're that sensitive to it, makes you wonder. By the way, I forgot that Hillary Clinton was complaining about 
2016. She thinks it was, well, you, you explained it brilliantly yesterday. Let's play that. On October 2020, just a month before our last presidential election, she was referring to the 2016 presidential election, and she said it was stolen from her. Is she wrong? She is wrong. Yeah, she is wrong, because there was, there was the, the election was valid in 2016. President Trump won. So when we talk about revisionist history that we've heard from the Democrats, when we talk about the big lie, their nominee, as recently as last October, was saying the election in 2016 was stolen. It's pretty wild. And by the way, tell us a little bit more about the person you were questioning. That's the former acting attorney general Rosen, yeah. correct? And uh, he did seem rather evasive and didn't really want to be there. Uh, characterize his presence and his role in all of this. Well, I mean, look, he was only the acting attorney general for one month, uh, and he happened to be there when when this uh, the tragedy of January 6 uh, unfolded. So uh, he, he's he's prosecuting people who did wrong, as we all said that that should happen. Again, this is another example, though, Greg, of the hypocrisy of the Democrats and the inconsistency of the Democrats. Republicans have been consistent. We condemned the violence that took place on January 6. But we also condemned it all last summer, what took place in so many major cities, particularly the city of Portland, which has now basically been under siege for almost a full year. But Democrats, of course, didn't condemn it, didn't condemn it and won't condemn it, and in fact, raised money to bail people out of jail who were engaged in the rioting and the looting and all the violence of last summer. So yeah. um, that we try to make that point clear as well. My attitude is whenever they bring up January 6, 2021, I just think it's important to remind them of January 6, 2017, when they objected to Alabama, a state that President Trump won by 30 points. Maxine Waters actually objected to Wyoming, I think maybe the one state that President Trump won by more than he won Alabama. Huh. They objected to that state as well. I have to ask you, if you don't mind, uh, your thoughts on Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt, the unarmed Trump supporter. Yes, she probably broke uh, some laws or some rules, but she was unarmed and she was shot by an officer. I believe a Capitol Hill police officer, but it has not been totally established. Um, and nobody seems to talk about this and nobody seems to really care. And it, I'm kind of stumped why there isn't more outrage or at least calls for investigation or, or something. I, it, it was mentioned yesterday, but as you know, there are a lot of folks out there who are like, why not more? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime there's a loss of life, it is a tragedy. Um, uh, I think the officers were taking the, the, the I think the, the appropriate position, which is they were not, they had made a decision. They were not going to let people into the house chamber and that door where she lost her life was that final door as you move into the to the uh, speaker's lobby and then into the chamber. So they made the decision that no one was getting through there. I, I respect what the officers, uh, uh, the decision they made, but obviously there's a loss of human life. And whenever that happens, um, that is just a tragedy and, and uh, you, you wish it wasn't the case. But yeah, you're right, there doesn't seem to be a focus on getting the details there. Maybe there, maybe there will be in some of the subsequent commissions and, and studies that have been proposed by both the Speaker and uh, uh, the Republican leader McCarthy as this commission is going to get formed at some point and move forward. Right. No, respectfully, I, I, I would love to see that. And, you know, a lot of us noticed that there seemed to be no warning issued. Uh, the officer didn't seem to say anything, go back or anything like that. So, uh, Congressman Jordan... Are you able to keep up with President Trump? You were one of his favorites on Capitol Hill. I only have a few he's seconds left. He's doing great. I talked to him in it, and I look, uh, he's, he's engaged in so many races, and I hope he runs in 2024. I've been clear about that. I think he, he did a great job as our president. I hope he's our president again. All right. Congressman Jordan, we appreciate it so much.
Thank you. Come back soon. Yeah, Greg. Uh, hey, uh, Grant is off tonight, but we got Eric Bowling filling in. Eric Bowling, world-class broadcaster. You've seen him all over the place. Eric, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Congrats. I'm doing great, Greg, and great job with, with Jordan there. There's some really cool stuff you got out uh, talking about Ashley Babbitt, important stuff. Well done with that. Um, we're going to talk to uh, John, John Yu. He's a former DOJ official under President Bush, but also worked with President Trump as well. He's a current uh, University of California Berkeley law professor who wrote a piece, really scathing piece, how to make China pay for it. And when he says it, he's talking about the COVID. I don't know how you make China pay for 600,000 Americans who are dead. We'll ask him, but he's going to hold China's feet accountable to the fire. Devin Nunes, the, the ranking member of the House Intel Committee, is going to talk to us about how do we hold Russia accountable for hacking our most uh, important pipeline in America that services 200 million people along the East Coast. And then Mark Morgan is going to talk about the massive spike in border apprehensions, a 1,050% jump from just a year ago. So packed show tonight at 8. Well, they sound like great guests, but the real star tonight is you. And uh, we'll be watching, and we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, great stuff, Eric. Uh, appreciate it. Have a good show. We'll be right back, everybody. Thanks. Can you believe this? King Joe Biden? The rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. Man, oh, man, oh, man. No freaking way. This is not his country. This is our country. How dare he? This is one of the most offensive things I've ever seen. You don't make these kinds of calls. We do for ourselves. Guidance. Look at you. And they said Donald Trump. They were worried about him being the imperial president. This is nonsense, and I'm sorry, it just came to my attention a moment ago. We got big problems here. I'll see you tomorrow night. Stand by for Eric Bowling filling in for Grant.